You will atone! What can we do for you, Jimmy? The money is beside the point. Money is the point. Does this stream payday to you, huh? You know, Jimmy, in our line of work, you can get so caught up in the idea of winning that you forget to listen to your heart. Better Call Saul. Two-night series premiere begins Sunday, February 8th at 10. Only on AMC. You drink one, drink two, drink three Long Island iced teas. But your buddy's worse off when he throws you his car keys. Blue lights are blinking four o'clock in the morning. St. Trooper makes you wish that you'd never been born. Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul. You want to tell the world you're in love with a girl named Fran? So you find an overpass and you say it with a spray paint can. Blue lights start a blink and those handcuffs click. You know who to call and you better call quick. Saul, Saul, you better call Saul. You'll fight for your rights when your back's to the wall. Stick it to the man, justice for all. You better call Saul. Welcome to Better Talk Saul, Cinema Geekly's Better Call Saul podcast. I'm Anthony Lewis. And I'm Glenn Talk Saul Bovey. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to trip over my... You know what? I think I'm just going to take that beginning where I got it right there that time. And I am just going to loop that. I'm just going to copy <laughs> that again. and put it... Yeah, so I don't have to say it again. We'll just start talking. Um, so yeah, this is a brand new premium podcast Glenn and I are starting. And Aaron says he wants in on the next episode once he gets caught up. Um, so we're going to do it. This is the spinoff to uh, Vince Gilligan's Breaking Bad. Spinoff prequel. Yeah, a spinoff prequel. Well, uh, yeah, there is a bit of a sequelness to it, but just a tiny bit. In fact, I uh, I have a theory about that, but we'll touch on that in a moment. Uh, overall, sir, you you have watched all of Breaking Bad. Yes, uh, as have I. Where where would you place this show? Just so we can kind of frame the hill that is probably better described as a a mountain, a a, uh, a Mount Everest sized. <laughs> mountain uh that better call Saul has to climb where would you place breaking bad like in an all-time uh ranking for tv shows you've watched um i think as people have talked about like a top five or something the, the thing with breaking bad is that it's one of the very few shows that landed you know the finale um and it's one of the very few shows that i've ever encountered that has really gotten better with each episode mm-hmm Obviously, we have favorite episodes. You know, nothing will probably ever touch Ozymandias. But the show did get better. It wasn't like a, de- a decrease. Right. Um, where a lot of shows, they seem like they go on too long and they get worse. Or there's like a bad season in between. Yeah. Even people who love The Wire always talk about the final season of The Wire is awful. Really? So, I've not heard that. Yeah. And so it's one of the things that with with Breaking Bad is that it was so good even up till the end. You know, I had talked about Dexter. Even Dexter's got two seasons that are garbage, and the final half of the season is Ugh, just dog shit. We've heard. It's so bad. <laughs> and that was the thing with Breaking Bad is it just did everything right. And that, I mean, that's a credit to Vince Gillian. I mean, the guy who grew up writing through TV um, and just decided to come back into this world. And as I've heard like Bob Odenkirk talk about it and others, it it wasn't so much that he wanted to do this right away. It was just, you know, he's a TV writer and he understands that he'll probably never make anything as good as breaking bad. Right. And he understands that better call Saul doesn't have to be better than breaking bad, which is, as we get into the show, it's, it is a different tone. It feels similar. You're kind of welcomed back to that world, but it doesn't have to be breaking bad. And I think a lot of the fans, and in myself included, I don't expect it to be Breaking Bad. 
It's Correct. I want it to be good. I want it to be different. We we know that Saul Goodman is a very different person compared to Walter White. Oh yes. Uh, and so it's I think there's an open mindedness with the show, which you don't really get when it comes to sequels or prequels or spinoffs. It's usually pretty. I want it to be like this. Don't let it change. But there's kind of openness because we trust the creator so well, mm-hmm. and the co-creator being Peter Gold is also someone who helped create the show. I mean, the show of Breaking Bad was kind of his idea. And Vince asked him, like, well, can I just write something about it? And he's like, yeah, sure, do it. And then he was brought on to the writing staff, and they made Breaking Bad what it is together. And then now they're making Better Call Saul together. And so far, so good. So like a... uh, But yeah, Breaking Bad is probably the best show ever as far as, like... I... I mean, The Sopranos has bad season. This is the one show that it just it really got better and better, and that's mm-hmm. that's the best credit you can give to it. Um, and it was it's one of the, it just it came out at the right time with Netflix, and it was just it's probably the best show for our age. Yeah. Um, whereas, I mean, I would you could say Cheers was probably the best show for like the eighties and Mash before it. You know, it's just. I feel like as a generational show, may, it won't have the numbers as those do because there's more channels. But I feel mm-hmm. like if you're going to define uh, television in the mid, you know, early part of this century, it's going to be Breaking Bad. Yeah, it's a it's a pinnacle uh, for sure. The uh, I, I, for me, it's it's my favorite show ever so far. Uh, they 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 are going to fluctuate. Maybe there's going to be another show that's going to take its place for a long time. Uh, Deep Space Nine was actually my favorite TV show, and that's another series that has a lot of really good, consistent storytelling um, and character development. And uh, but you're right. I mean, Breaking Bad the the streak of quality episodes this show has is absolutely bonkers. Uh, it, it's it's a tremendous show. So Better Call Saul has a lot uh, a lot of work to do to try to fill the shoes. I mean, it shouldn't really try to fill the shoes so much as it should, you know, kind of create its own set of footprints, I guess, but it's going to be compared to breaking bad one way or the other. So, I mean, in that regard, it's got big shoes to fill, but uh, as we're going to talk about here, I, I think the, the series is off to an excellent start. So I'm going to run through here. We're going to talk about the first two episodes because uh, AMC debuted it as part of a, like a two-parter thing. They very smartly, uh, debuted the first episode after the uh, the second half season premiere of The Walking Dead. So uh, it broke a cable record. Yeah, there were no there were no more eyes that were going to be on this show than there were for uh, that particular time slot. Uh, so it was a brilliant uh, uh, decision, and the show is going to be airing regularly on Mondays. So they aired the second episode uh, the following day. And uh, But since they tie together so well, we're going to just cover them here kind of right back to back. And then Glenn and I will run down our, our thoughts and feelings and score the show, just like all those other podcasts we have on the premium website. So let's talk about Better Call Saul Season 1, Episode 1, called Uno. Uh, so the first thing we get, sir, is uh, some black and white footage uh, that went on for quite a bit. I was wondering if it was going to fade into color or anything like that. But then it became very clear that this yeah. is being done to separate it timeline-wise. And uh, this is uh, the f- the first thing I notice is that it is Saul post-Breaking Bad. So this is after everything um, 
that had occurred in the previous series. And he is no longer called Saul. His, his, the name on his, on his uh, I don't know, his apron or his smock or whatever said Gene. And he is working at a Cinnabon in Omaha, Nebraska, which I, if memory serves, he said that, right? At Breaking Bad, he, he was going to yeah, end he up. Said was, yeah, he'll be in Nebraska. Yeah, he was going to end up. I think he even may have mentioned Cinnabon. I'm not sure. Um, so he is, uh, I, I, I don't know exactly how long it has been, but he's losing his hair. So I'm guessing it's been some years since Breaking Bad uh, occurred. And he's got a mustache, and uh, he's basically sitting alone in his place, drinking booze, and gets up and goes into a hidden compartment, I think in his bathroom or something like that, and pulls out a box that has an old VHS tape in it. And he sits down and pops it into his his player, and it's full of Saul Goodman commercials. And he just sits there watching these commercials, drinking booze and we are flashed back to the year 2002 roughly there's about and um we meet jimmy mcgill who is in fact saul goodman but that's actually saul's real name is jimmy uh mcgill and uh it's him uh basically he's uh in a in a trial and he's trying to i guess he's representing these three kids and they are uh, he's not doing a particularly good job of defending, but you can see the the Saul weaseliness that we're kind of the used moxie. to a little bit. Yeah, that moxie that kid's got. He's trying to get them off. The uh, the prosecutor <laughs> plays a video of what the kid because he's trying to say like what they're framing. He's framing what the kids did as kind of like a boys will be boys type thing. And the prosecutor, all he, the prosecutor doesn't say a word. He just gets up and goes over to a monitor and hits play, and it shows a video of the kids sawing off the uh, the head of a dead body, and uh, then they uh, they have sex with the head, I believe. Correct. You don't see it, but yeah, yeah, it's insinuated. It's insinuated. Yeah, that they have sex with the head because he says that's what he's defending. Yeah. So. (laughs) Boys will be boys, you guys. Come on. Um, so after this defense fails, he goes to get paid. And uh, it's a small check, about $700. And he's complaining that he defended three people. This check should be higher. And they tell him that, well, you were defending three people, but it was not three separate cases. This was one case. So you're getting paid for one case instead of uh, three. So... Uh, uh, so before he leaves, uh, he gets a phone call, and I can only guess he's pretending to be a British secretary for himself. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, law offices of Jimmy McGill, and um, he, uh, so he uh, he's telling the prospective clients that he needs to meet up with them somewhere else because his office is currently under renovation or something. It's being painted. Um, he goes to leave the parking lot when we f- when we meet Mike for the first time, and what he was doing before he met Saul, which is a parking lot attendant. And Mike will not let him leave because he does not have another enough stickers. <laughs> He's like, "So give me three bucks, or go back in and get another sticker." And Saul just loses his mind and is yelling at this man. <laughs> um, gets out of the car and is yelling and screaming. It, it was awesome. Um, so. Later on, um, 
Jimmy, uh, Saul as Jimmy, I guess. How, how should we refer to him? Because he eventually does become Saul. Should we just call him Saul or should we refer to him as Jimmy for the time being? I feel like if we go back and forth, people will kind of get it because he's Jimmy in the show. But I think everybody knows if you say Jimmy. In my mind, I always mm. think of it as just Saul. Right, right. Me too. Um, which I'll uh, we can kind of comment on later as <laughs> when we get to the commenting. Sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm just going to refer to him as he is currently. Everybody knows that Jimmy McGill is the original name of Saul Goodman now. So we all we've got that straight. Uh, so Jimmy meets up with the people who was on uh, he was on the phone with, which were uh, Craig and Betsy Kettleman, and they are looking for. Um, somebody to represent them. Uh, They're currently being investigated because uh, some money that belongs to the county has disappeared and uh, they are believed to be the ones in possession of it. It's like a million dollars or something. A million and a half. A little over a million and a half. Sure. Um, They decide they're not going to hire Jimmy. He, um, He tries to woo them and things like that. None of this works. Uh, on his way back, and he's in, he's in his junky ass car. Uh, he runs over a kid on a skateboard, and um, his uh, friend or his brother—I think it's his brother, right—who runs up with a camera, uh, is filming yeah. all this, is threatening him. It, it's like you've got to, you know, you got to pay them some money. And uh, Jimmy quickly realizes that these kids are trying to to pull a scam on him uh, because. Normally in a situation like this, you don't aren't just willing to accept money on the roadside. They would just sue you. Um, and he kind of quickly realizes that, that they're scamming him, and they're not very good at it either. Um, so Jimmy returns home, and um, they uh, well no no he before he goes home he he goes after that he goes to his office, which is uh, I I. So it's a beauty salon, right? Where mm-hmm. his office is, um, with a run by a bunch of Asian women, which aren't they all? I guess is that a stereotype? That's probably a stereotype. It is a stereotype. Um, so he goes into a back room, and then his office is not in the back room. It's like in the back room of a back room. It's a very small space, and uh, he has no messages on his phone, which I have a feeling could be a running gag for at least a little while. Uh, and he's opening, uh, he's going through all of his mail. He finds a check for $26,000 from his older brother's law firm. Um, so, uh, Jimmy gets in his car, heads over to the law firm and, uh, very verbosely quoting movie lines and shit <laughs> confronts the people, uh, accusing them of trying to, uh, to find a way of cheating his brother out of his rightful share. And, uh, because we learn that his brother has a substantial share. His name is on the law firm. It's like, uh, uh, what's it called? It's something, something. In Hamlin. It's, isn't it like Hamlin, Hamlin, and McGill? It's No, it's not Hamlin, Hamlin. It's like Hamlin, Harry, McGill or something. It's two H's. I know that. Yeah, they're so, different. Something like that. Um, and his brother's share is worth a lot. Um, and we also learn that his brother is sick. Um, possibly even, you know, maybe he has cancer or he's got something that is uh preventing him from doing his work and uh just this money or whatever he sees is a slap in the face on his way out uh he sees the kettleman's coming in uh and he is not pleased about this i think he very handily destroys a garbage can (laughs) 
with his feet, which must have fucking hurt like crazy unless it was some really cheaply made stunt garbage can because that wouldn't that could not have been fun. Um, so he uh, uh, so he visits uh, he visits Chuck, his brother, and um, they uh, basically Jimmy's trying to talk him into taking a buyout, right, to get all of the money or whatever. And Chuck mm-hmm. does not want to do this. He's convinced that he is going to get better and that he is going to get back to lawyering and uh, all is going to be well. In fact, um, uh, in fact, Chuck tells him that he's been uh, talking with uh, Hamlin and they're talking about possibly having Jimmy change his last name to, uh, I, I guess this is going to, uh, he tries to, it's to, basically it's to separate him from this law firm because he has the last name, uh, same last name as his brother. Obviously they're trying to separate Jimmy from this law firm. They do not want them associated in any way. Uh, but Chuck tries to sell it to him. Like, you know, it's a, a chance for a new beginning, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, to make a name for yourself on your own without uh, without my last name attached to you and stuff. Uh, he is not overly pleased about this. Uh, so he uh, instead, he decides he's going to go and track down the scamming skateboarding brothers and suggest a partnership to them. In the meanwhile, he's also telling them about his past uh, when he was younger, growing up in Illinois, where people called him Slippin' Jimmy, where he would purposefully take falls on the ice and sue people or get money from them or whatever the case uh, may be. So he did a lot of slip and fall uh, scams to get money. And he basically tells them he's going to teach them the right way to do it and they are going to get a lot of money from this. He wants to set up a hit and run with uh, Mrs. Kettleman, the the lady who refused his service earlier and the one who has the $1.5 million, whatever it is, um, that has been stolen allegedly and uh they set up the whole situation he makes them memorize her vehicle and everything goes off without a hitch the dude gets hit takes a dive except the vehicle takes off which saul or jimmy is is super excited about man because that's a hit and run that's even better uh that's a that's like a felony you guys that's more money and uh the the skateboarders chase her down, and uh, when it finally stops, an elderly Hispanic woman leaves the vehicle. It's clearly not Mrs. Kettleman. They have got the wrong vehicle. It's a very similar-looking vehicle, but it is not the same one. And uh, she does not speak much English. These kids are harassing the shit out of her, and they are trying. She Basically, she invites them inside. Uh, to try to settle this situation. And Saul is kind of a Jimmy. I keep, I'm going to keep going back to Saul. So I'm just going to stick with Saul. Saul is hot on their tail and uh, arrives at the house moments later, um, knocking on the door saying he's an officer of the law or something like that, or officer of the court or something like that. And uh, the door is opened and he is met in the face with a, with a, with a gun and he is pulled inside and it is revealed that the person inside this house is in fact Tuco, which would be, I, I believe that is the first kind of major villain hurdle that Walter White faced. In- uh, the first one is Crazy Eight, isn't it? Oh, it may have been Crazy Eight and then Tuco. Yeah, crazy, was after. Then Tuco, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's first season, so. 
yeah, yeah. Because Tuco was the one with the the grandpa, right? The, yeah, the Tuco pistol. is the reason why we know who Hector Salamanza is. Yes, that's right. Um, or yeah. AKA my girlfriend's mad face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that takes us into Better Call Saul season one, episode two, called Mio. Uh, so the episode begins um, several minutes before the last episode left off. But we are in uh, Tuco Salamanca's. Uh, it's from his. Uh, it's from his perspective. So he is in the kitchen getting some salsa ready when his grandmother comes in the house, followed by the two skateboarders. Uh, and the brothers are going nuts and they're telling him how serious this is and that they're hurt and that she hit, it was a hit and run. I believe one of them calls his grandmother a biznatch, mm-hmm. something along those lines. Tuco does not, if people do not remember, Tuco is not the brightest light bulb in the drawer either. He is not the smartest one, but, uh, he is, he is a very mean fellow. He is mean. <laughs> uh, so they're, they're insulting her and Tuco gets really pissed and she he kind of slowly gets her to go upstairs saying that he's going to take care of the situation and uh he grabs his grandmother's walker and then beats the shit out of them with it and uh moments later uh that's when jimmy mcgill arrives and we see the whole ending of the last episode from tuco's perspective where he uh he pulls them in and, of course, there's a blood stain on the carpet as well. But Tuco is telling his grandmother that uh, Jimmy is just a salesman and this is just a salsa stain that he is going to get out. Um, so, basically, that uh, Tuco is holding a gun to Jimmy's head and he's telling him that this, is, uh, this was not his intended target. He's constantly trying to essentially just work out some sort of deal, right? Uh, assuming that he has not killed the skateboarders. Uh, because he he never makes that assumption outright. He's like presuming that they are still breathing. Um, you know, you should just let us go. We're just idiots. We're trying to scam this other person. Clearly, you are not that person. Uh, so he eventually, I think, kind of talks Tuco down a little bit, right? To to kind of uh, he reveals that yes, the kids are the the two brothers are there. They're in the garage. They're still alive. And he's trying to convince uh, convince them to let him go. And it looks like Tuco is going to actually let them go. So uh, Saul pulls the uh, the duct tape off of one of their mouths. And the first thing out of this guy's mouth is that it was it was all Saul's idea. It was uh, he was this was his thing from the get go and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and this re enrages Tuco. Uh, he's convinced that he is trying to play him and all this other shit. So. Uh, basically when this happens, uh, they, he, uh, he knocks him out as well, I believe. And then when, uh, does he knock him out? I think he knocks him out. Like he hits him with a gun or something. Yeah. 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 Uh, so when he wakes up, we get a familiar scene to breaking bad fans. They're out in the middle of the desert, (laughs) which is never good. And, uh, basically it's now Tuco with the rest of his group. They're there with him. And, uh, Tuco goes up to him with, uh, some wire cutters and is threatening to cut off uh, Saul's fingers unless he tells them the truth. And he keeps telling him the actual truth that he was trying to scam this woman. He's just a lawyer. Look in his pocket, although his pocket only has the match, the like the matchbook with his with the firm's name on it, which doesn't really confirm anything. Um, 
he uh, Tuco's not buying it, so Jimmy tries to tell him he is an FBI agent, hoping to relieve you know the 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 pressure on him because he I, I think he thinks this is what Tuco wants to hear because he's not going to accept anything else. Uh, thankfully, Tuco has somebody working for him, whom uh, I believe his name is actually Nacho, and he is the apparently the smartest guy in the room because he knows he's just like, look, man, just tell me the truth. For real, this is your last opportunity. What is the truth? And he f- tells them the truth again. <laughs> and he's like, look, look, I believe this guy. Tuco frees him. Uh, and he's like, look, man, I, he's like, I've got to get re- he, But he insists that he needs to get revenge uh, on the skateboarding scammer guys for insulting his grandmother. Uh, and just an incredible scene here between, uh, between Saul and Tuco here as he's basically trying to talk him down from murdering them <laughs> to, uh, you know, to like hurting. He's like, you know, he, he goes way low. He like way undercuts. He's like, how about like a black eye or something? And I'm like, they already got black eyes. <laughs> they already got black eyes. That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, they try, uh, uh, they try a variety of things. Eventually Saul works him down to breaking one leg each, <laughs> which is incredible. He's like, look, you're being tough, but you're fair. Uh, and Tuco buys into this wholeheartedly. And then he has an immense amount of fun breaking these guys' legs. Oh, like, my gosh. Yeah, way yeah. too much fun. And then he's just sitting there giggling. He's like, oh, look, that one's backwards and stuff like that. Um, That's going to be a clean one. Yes, he's like, oh yeah, you're, the... and then he's like, stop whining and stuff like that. He's just... yeah, stop whining. Tell your mama you're sorry, piece of biznatch or whatever. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he, he, his... he Saul gives him a a, a fake story about, his... about how their mom basically he, works he, he, the he, same he, life as yeah, as he, Tuco's aunt or grandmother. Uh, a term I learned aunt. from the interview, sir. He he honey dicked them. He played uh, <laughs> what he what he knew. He played to what he knew about Tuco, what would appeal to him, and use that to kind of save these guys' lives. So he immediately takes these guys to the hospital after they escape the the clutches of Tuco. And uh, they're like, oh, I'm a damn like, good lawyer. No, you got our legs broken. He's like, I'm like, you down from a death penalty. Yeah, he's like, you're the worst lawyer ever. And he's <laughs> like, I just talked you from down from a death sentence to six months probation. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I'm the greatest lawyer ever. Uh, so he uh, he drops so he drops these guys off and then he's Jimmy has a date later that evening with a woman but um, uh, uh, this is a gorgeous woman who has a very low cut top mm-hmm. and he cannot decide uh, which he which he is going to pay more attention to this woman's breasts or the fact that there is a dude who is constantly snapping those really hard breadsticks in half yeah. over and over again. And all he can think of is those guys legs breaking. And eventually he decides, Nope, got to hurl and goes into the bathroom and throws up. Um, and basically he gets boozed up and comes home and collapses at Chuck's house. Uh, and uh, basically, so what's the what's the deal here with Chuck throwing a Jimmy's cell phone out? I, I guess it's just I, I, I'm the only thing I think of is back in you know we all thought cell phones give you cancer, mm-hmm. and so because of when this show takes place, even though it's only what ten twelve years 
Right. Um, I still remember back then the big thing was you're going to get tumors in your head because of cell phones. I mean, that was like the thing. Okay. Uh, people were terrified about. So that is something I would say that is nostalgic and has aged. <laughs> according to an according to uh, an article I found talking about the episode, Chuck apparently believes he has electromagnetic hypersensitivity. Okay. Which uh, is a group of symptoms purportedly caused by exposure to electromagnetic fields. Uh, I don't know what the supposed symptoms of it are. There's a really long uh, there's apparent there's a really long Wikipedia article about it, but apparently that's his thing. So he does not like to have electronics in the house, which actually could explain why they had lanterns and stuff instead of uh, light bulbs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um. The uh, let me see here. Where did, where did I leave? Okay, so he throws the cell phone onto the yard. Uh, the next morning, Chuck confronts Jimmy. Uh, after seeing he uh, he catches a glimpse because, yeah, when Jimmy gets home, he just walks in the door, drops his pants immediately, and then just falls down on the couch, completely passed out. And uh, his cell phone falls out, and some papers fall out. And the papers that fell out were the brother's hospital bills. Uh, so Jimmy reassures his brother that um, he is not. Uh, going back to his scamming ways, although he was, and it backfired horribly. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we, when Jimmy sobers up in the morning, he grabs his cell phone and he's off to another day uh, at uh, at court. He still has no messages on his inbox, um, but one of the beauty salon employees uh, comes in and says, uh, "You have a you have a client. Somebody's here to see you." Uh, Jimmy is in a scrambled. Uh, feverish, uh, like basically because his tiny office, he reconverted it into a place to lay down. He's got like a fold out couch, but because this room is about four feet by four feet, it was, uh, you know, it, everything was very cramped. So he had to as quickly as possible rearrange things so somebody could come in. And, uh, the client turns out to be Nacho, the, uh, the brains apparently of the Tuco operation. And he tells Jimmy that he remembers him talking about the Kettleman's. And their $1.5 million and says he wants to get the $1.5 million. Um, and he wants Jimmy to do some legwork to get some information for him so he can pull this off. And as an exchange, he's going to give uh, Jimmy a finder's fee. Uh, and basically, he lays out the whole thing that if this is stolen money, they're never if, – if he steals it from them, they, they're never going to the law. Uh, because they would have to admit that they had stole the money in the first place. Uh, so it's an, it's an easy heist if Jimmy can get him the information and Jimmy says that he is not a criminal. He's a lawyer. If he ever needs help, like he owes him, he admits that he owes him, but if he ever needs help, it it would be in a, in that capacity. Uh, and basically Nacho seems to kind of maybe he, he either knows that this guy's bullshitting him or he sees that, you know, Maybe this is what he's thinking right now, but it's only a matter of time before this shell breaks and he's going to be helping me out because he leaves his phone number on uh, one of his matchbooks. And, uh, of course, he says that, uh, you know, you're killed. You're dead if anybody knows about this. And uh, that is where we, we leave off with the first two episodes. So, sir, tell me what you thought about these first two episodes of Better Call Saul. I... I really enjoyed them. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the second one. Mm-hmm. Because the first one, it was kind of like, 
we're coming back to it, but just that shot in the desert, I was like, this is this is a familiar place. This is something I know. Uh, I and I and I forgot how much I missed it. I think yep. if that was possible. Uh, as we've said, it doesn't need to be Breaking Bad, but it certainly feels like it. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like the uh, just a lighter tone, and I, I I really like the first episode. I like choices they make because when it comes to the brothers, who I'm assuming are going to continue to be in the show. Uh, I haven't really looked up the names in the cast besides Michael Mando, who plays Nacho. Right. So he will obviously be an integral part of the cast for a little bit. So I I never really looked looked into seeing how long they're going to be here. But, you know, presumably they don't have to necessarily die. They, they probably will. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of nice thing about this show is when I think about Breaking Bad, it was open-ended for some of these characters to continue on. They necessarily have to die before we get to Breaking Bad. Right. But we, because they may have just gone somewhere else, they don't necessarily need to be there. Because I think this is, what, five years before Breaking Bad, which is 2007, mm-hmm. if I'm getting my timeline right. And it was just nice to see the same places, like the the nail salon. I mean, that's something I never even thought about. But like, as soon as you show them, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, yes, of, of course, of course his law office would be there first. This makes so much sense. Right. Um. And just the little details like that we're we're finding. The only thing I, I kind of have a problem with, but again, it's this is five years. Not that anyone would forget his name, but he would probably have built up enough equity at this point by going by Saul Goodman. Uh, with people, with him, clearly people know who he is in the court system. He is Jimmy McGill. Everyone knows who right. knows this name because of him showing up all the time. So when he takes on the persona of Saul Goodman, I imagine that's going to be a little quirky and kind of fun to play with Mm -hmm. when that name change does happen in the show. But once it, but I feel like once breaking bad, he's already established that it's not really an issue. People don't really bring it up and it's not like he just, you know, he doesn't say, Oh, I don't know who this Jimmy guy is. I mean, it's like one of the first things you'll learn about him is that the name's made up. (laughs) Right. Which is Bob Odenkirk's idea because he even says, I don't look Jewish. You're like, Oh yeah, you don't. Well, it's cause he's not. Uh, (laughs) And, I wonder so, if it's a, I wonder if it's an official name like if he has his name legally changed. I don't know. It's going to it's going to happen I have a feeling it's going to happen this season or by the end of the season at the very least cuz you're not going to have a show called Better I mean it, I think it is funny that the show is Better Call Saul but the we character's name is the, yeah. the character's name is Jimmy McGill. Uh I, I think that's awesome. But I you know, I, I'm pretty sure by the end of the first season he's gonna be Saul because as you said, there's gotta be that time for the uh the acclamation for, for the people who do know him for it to not be a thing when Breaking Bad rolls around. And by the way, I also love because Breaking Bad was five seasons, yes. Um I think oh, it was yeah. five. So well, it depends on how you view the breaks, I guess. Sure. I, oh, I'm going to go with five seasons, I think. Um, and if that's what they're going to do, if this is five years before Breaking Bad, then it's clear that the aim yeah. is for this to go five as well, and it'll end right before Breaking Bad begins, uh, presumably. I mean, maybe it'll go. Maybe it'll go shorter than five seasons. I, I'm yeah, not I sure, think but... it could go further. It may not further, but. I could see it taking place the first year. Well, I mean, Breaking Bad, the whole actual show takes place within two years, except for the last episode. Right. So I could I could see the first 
couple of months of Breaking Bad being maybe the last season of Better Call Saul Mm -hmm. until he shows up in the second season as to why he is looking into um, Walter White's case. Not saying you would see maybe Brian. I mean, I'm sure he would make an appearance, but I'm I'm positive. I wouldn't say he would make, you know, a five episode stint the final season because that would just be insane. Uh, which I mean, it'd be awesome, but I, I just, I couldn't see that being the case. Right. Uh, but it was, it was just, it was nice to kind of see some of the smaller stuff. I mean, no dose, you know, one of Tuco's men, I I forgot about him. And then it's like, things are coming back and it's, it's a very nostalgic feeling, but it's not, I don't have the same problem with this show. Like I would another prequel, which is, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I know this guy, this guy, and this guy lives, at least up until a certain point, because they're in Breaking Bad. Right. And then all these side characters, like, they may die. They very well may live. Uh, Like uh, Nacho, he he may live. He'll probably die. Sure. Uh, But he may just, he may live up until and he goes somewhere else. And for me, it's just, it was nice to see Mike be Mike again. No, he doesn't have the, you know, the scariness power because we know what he is, but he's still just in that, in that little freaking booth he's still just as terrifying he is the king of the space that he is in yes yeah yeah, like he 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 can acquire mass like no other yeah he has domain over all he sees from that box as ridiculous as it is he owns like that whole space and nobody's gonna tell him what the fuck to do and he gives no shits yeah he doesn't even bother getting upset over i love it i I missed mike so much he's he's awesome i'm glad he's in it because you know the half measures episode where we hear about how Mike becomes Mike, mm-hmm. which uh, Bob Ronkirk has said there is an episode that is about Mike, and it's probably the darkest thing you've ever seen. It, uh-huh. He said it's it's darker than anything we've ever done on Breaking Bad. So fucking excited. Which I'm assuming is episode <laughs> six because he said episode six and episode nine, and I'm using this verbatim, is fucking awesome. Uh, if you want to hear uh-huh. Bob Ronkirk talk about the show, it's on. Uh, Grantland.com, which is a subsidiary of ESPN yeah, run by yeah. Bill Simmons, and it's the Andy Greenwald project. It's very good. It's about 35 minutes long, and they just kind of talk about Saul as a character and how Bob Oakert looks at it and kind of about writing in general. And it's it's really fascinating, especially if you're a huge Breaking Bad fan, which who isn't? Right. Because um, it was just it was just an event. Uh, and that was you know, better, like I said, better, it doesn't have to be. And I think that's the nice thing about it is it is a lighter tone. It kind of feels like the first two seasons of Breaking Bad, which is much lighter uh, than what it ultimately became. And the show may get darker, but I don't think it doesn't have to get darker because of who Saul is. Mm-hmm. It can be darker in the fact that we're seeing a man strip away his consciousness, which he doesn't really have even in the show. It's all right. about he just uses the constitu- constitution as a justify his means. I mean, and that's, that's all it is. He is an unscrupulous man, basically. <laughs> and right. it's awesome because he's not a bad guy. Uh, whereas Walter White, you know, becomes a supervillain. It's just, he is the ultimate middleman. Uh, and that is, and that's really what I liked about these first two episodes. It was seeing things that we knew, but it wasn't so much that we got more and it kind of ruined the mystique of Tuco. It was just, we already know who Tuco is and they didn't show us anything. We didn't know about him. Uh, it was just nice to see where Tuco kind of, you know, before he acquires all this power and becomes the man, the king, as he refers to himself as. Right. The, um, <laughs> I, 
I'm right there with you with this. Here's the thing. This is why this show is going to be good because uh, Vince Gilligan, he already knows this world. So he knows how to create the world. And Saul Goodman is a character that is already, I, I don't want to say like totally, he's not a totally fleshed out character, but he got a lot. I mean, we know a lot about the character already. Um, so therefore Vince knows a lot about the character already. And he is, it also just so happens that he is very good at developing characters as well, obviously, as we saw in Breaking Bad. Um, so he's already got a big head start to make this show successful because he already knows what he wants the show to be and what it's going to look like and how it's going to feel and who's playing the actor and what the character is. So he's already got like a really, really big head start. And you're right. It feels it feels completely different while at the, at the same time feeling exactly like breaking bad but different yeah. it's a it's a really good dynamic uh it's an origin story but it's not right right like uh, uh bob okirk even says again on that podcast that peter gold when he came to him it's it was he said well what kind of problem does a man have to have with his life for him to become saul goodman and that's how they came about the show Right. It was what what kind of problems did Jimmy McGill have that he needed to put on this overconfident cheap suit and become Saul Goodman right. with the Constitution draped all over his back wall? <laughs> <laughs> the um, yeah. So I've got to say the first the first episode was was great. The, the the bit at the beginning, I was I thought we would maybe get something um, like uh, I thought maybe they would feel like they needed to. Uh, to kind of put something in there because Breaking Bad did happen. And I thought that maybe they would feel like they had to put something in there to acknowledge that this is, you know, to do something post Breaking Bad or whatever. But what they did was awesome. And uh, I'm, I could be totally off on this, but kind of trying to jump inside Vince Gilligan's head a little bit. I feel like this is something where we won't see this again until like the end of the series. Like Probably he'll, he'll come back to it at the end and then we'll find out Saul Goodman's fate, which I don't know what it's going to be. If you put if, if you put a gun to my head now and say, what's it going to be? I would probably say, you know, you know, put a gun to Saul's head like maybe he offs himself or something yeah. like in this situation, this off this, you know, look at what he used to be and look where he's at now. That sort of thing. Like maybe we're seeing like the that. That shot of him uh, after the Cinnabon thing, going back to his place and drinking booze and watching VHS, like maybe that's the last day of his life or something. Yeah, it, like he he does this because he gets the news that, you know, maybe this was shot or this Cinnabon moment takes place after Walter White is killed at that compound. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, maybe. Well, I'm kind of the last one left of Brigade. You know, maybe there's, you know, you see people with Heisenberg, you know, newspapers around and, and that's just, you know, he's like, well, that's the end of it. I mean, it, it could even be just as something is not Breaking Bad related is it's just years later and, you know, this is his life and it sucks and he doesn't want it anymore. Like the the whole series was not like a not like him dreaming or whatever, but it's kind of like he remembers what it used to be like for yeah. him. He remembers where he came from, how high he got, and look at him now. Yeah. He fell so far. And that was, and you got all of that without any dialogue. Like, Bob Odenkirk is very talented, which is 
he's you know, amazing. Yeah, he was considering his background, and it was just absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we always talk about how bad comedians are at drama, and he's very good at that because you get so much emotion of just him sitting down, drinking his beer, mm-hmm. and then ter- putting in the tape, and you start hearing the Better Call Saul commercials, and it's not so much. Like you don't see him crying, you can obviously tell he he you know is probably getting tearful. Mm-hmm. But you're right there with him. It's not a oh, what's he thinking? It's just like man, this this fucking sucks. Like I'm oh, he was in... so awesome. You know, seeing him vulnerable like that is something we've yeah. never really seen. We've seen him get scared and intimidated because he's just a little weasel. But again, Saul knows how to get power back into his hands. Right. You know, negotiation that is that's what he's good at. Um, he's good at getting what he wants because he knows how to talk his way through anything. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that scene in in Tuco's uh, <laughs> Abuela's living room where he's just like, he's like, "Wow, you've got a mouth on you." Yeah, because he just he is just talking out the mouth and is just spilling the beans about everything and what's going on and just laying it out in such a concise way. And you know, how can you not want to just you know? Oh, oops! What a what a silly misunderstanding. We're gonna all laugh this off later. It's just that Tuco's not the kind of guy to laugh off something like this. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, it was he was great. His performance was awesome. Uh, it was really smart of them to reintroduce you know a character like Tuco that people are gonna immediately recognize and remember, and it's gonna help and, but take it wasn't them like, back. But it isn't something that took place you know at the end of the season. It wasn't like. They jumped right into Gus Frank, which I am sure he will show up at some point. Uh, I mean, I just, can only there's hope. no way he won't, uh, because we do know even when the show starts or even whenever Saul is introduced, like him and Gus mm-hmm. have a past of some sorts. They oh. are intertwined together in some sort of dealings, even if it is like Saul doesn't trust the guy because this guy is he's fucking crazy. Uh, but it, it 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 was the thing that I liked about Tuco was like they didn't jump to the crazy redneck hillbilly murder psychopaths that are the end of Breaking Bad. You you do something from the beginning of the series that Saul Goodman had nothing to do with. He had nothing to do with the Tuco stuff, right? Uh, that we know of now. If they wanted to self indulge and go that way, whatever. But as far as we know, as an audience, we, he wasn't a part of that. So it was nice to kind of like see this universe kind of come together a little bit more with it still feeling broad that there, there is still space to feel, but we know where the parameters are at. And that was, that was, that was what was nice. Uh, just the, uh, we, we've got to get to the show scores here because just the, the <laughs> thought brewing in my head of Gustavo Fring showing up again, uh, in any form or fashion, I I'm tempted to just give every episode five Kiki glasses. <laughs> uh, we, we, I, I can't let that happen. We have to try to remain somewhat objective here. <laughs> well, uh, you guys aren't that objective when it comes to the Doctor Who stuff, so I feel like these are going to be really high-rated episodes as well. Actually, I try to be. I try to. We, I think we tried to be fairly objective with the Doctor Who stuff. It's just that you know that show has a, a, a you know a history and a, and a development, and if people have been following it long enough, like the, that show is already in its in its stride and. You know, while this show is just getting off the ground, like I said before, it's kind of already got a head start. It's kind of almost already into a stride because it's a world that the the show creator already knows so well and a character that the creator of the show knows so well that they've got such a head start that it feels like the show has already been running for a long time because in in some ways it kind of has because it's, it's not so different from Breaking Bad. 
that it's a completely different show. It's just similar enough to, you know, for them to have traction kind of out, out of the gate. Um, that being said, before you say, before you say anything, I am giving the, uh, the first episode, Uno, I'm giving it a four, a really strong four. <laughs> the, uh, the, the very the very beginning thing we talked about how great Bob Odenkirk is in that scene, um, that that alone almost pushed it over to you know to like four and a half level, but it is a very strong four episode. I thought it was I thought it was really solid. Where where do you place Uno? Yeah, I would give it a four. I feel like the only thing that's holding it back and kind of holds it back in the second episode is how incredibly annoyingly vague they are being about Chuck. Yes. It, yes, it is like, it, like this. Who, by the way, is being played by Michael McKean. We didn't even talk about yeah, yeah that very right. very often. <laughs> He's he is awesome as well, and he was supposed to be in Breaking Bad, but couldn't because of commitments. Wow, really? Well, it's, it's yeah. cool they finally got him, and he's awesome. I love yeah. I like Michael. He McKean. was supposed to be that character in Breaking Bad. Okay, so uh, continue with your thought. Yeah, I'm for it. Just just because of that, it, it it's something that is going to. It's a good thing that it irks me. I mean, it is a good thing because it's going to keep me hooked. I gotta, I will not be able to at least stop the show until I can figure out what's wrong with Chuck. It's going to bring uh, back the Spaceman blanket is going to be a thing again. It's, yeah. Everyone's going to have this. Yeah, next time I go to a convention, there's going to be some old dude with a space, <laughs> space blanket around him. <laughs> Just like every freaking person puts on a fez. That's right. That's right. It's um, so annoying. Okay, so uh, your score for Miho. Oh, uh, I I can't go right out of the gate and give it a five, but a really incredibly, 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 incredibly high four and a half. Yeah, I. I mean, it was just it was damn near perfect. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. It's a it's a four and a half for me as well. I I don't want to give out fives this early. Yeah, I'm not going to give it a five because it's not Ozymandias. That I'm whole, I will I will give a five. It is as good as Ozymandias or the season uh, season two finale of Hannibal. I will give those fives. Yeah. So I can't give anything five until then. Um, I I just know that uh, yeah I usually give fives to episodes that work for me on. Like they hit me like an intangible level. Like I just don't know it's a perfect episode until I really sit and think about it for a minute. Like I'll I'll, I'll know. Like I'll watch the episode. And I'm like that was an amazing episode. Holy crap! But then it's like when I have to sit down and think about it for a little bit, or if we're sitting here talking about an episode, and then just something clicks in my head that it's like this is a, this is a perfect episode. Um, so that's not to say that this episode isn't maybe deserving of five or something like that. It's just that nothing particularly clicked with me. That's like oh yeah, th- this is like. Uh, it's probably because in the back of my mind, I know that there's going to probably be better than this. <laughs> I know, which is hard uh, to believe, but it was a because this was a very good episode. There was even a scene in this episode that we, we didn't even talk about with Mike again. They because they, they just threw it in there again because he uh, it, it was like kind of in the montage of him working at the courthouse yeah. over the course of the day because he tried to take as many cases as he could to get as big a paycheck as he could. Um, and at the end of the day, he still did not have enough stickers. And Mike lets him go. That's no, right. <laughs> he does not let him go at all. <laughs> Mike awesome. does not care. How, no, you better have what you are things. doing or how often you're being here. If you don't have the requirements, I mean, but that's Mike. I mean, Mac is Mac. Mike is a man of the rules. You know, follow. You know, whatever order it is, that is what you do. You know, we we know that from Breaking Bad. That is Mike. Uh, but no, it's just. Uh, it, I'm glad it's back, and I'm glad that the show didn't come out right away, 
because it just feels like perfect timing. It's a year and a half removed from the series finale of Breaking Bad. Right. And it just seems like the perfect length. Like, you know, we just got done with seeing Breaking Bad and all the award shows. You know, in the last hoorah of it was the last uh, Emmys. Everyone and their friend has had a chance to binge watch it now on Netflix. Yeah, and it's just... uh, now that we're back, you know, I I mean, I've watched a couple of episodes of Breaking Bad since it's ended. Uh, mostly Ozymandias and Felina. I, or not, yeah, Felina and Granite State, because I just right. love the end of Granite State, because you get to hear the whole Breaking Bad theme song. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was just, it was nice to kind of come back to it, and uh, just, I'm really excited, because yeah. I... I I'll probably give it a five when they do that super dark Mike show because Mike is just somebody I love so much. He's just like everybody else. He's just, he's the best. Uh, So we're off to a good start. Yes. Yeah, we are off to a good start, but we said that about the flash. Oh, the other thing, like, okay, so this is going to go a little off topic, but the second episode directed by Michelle, I forget her last name, but she's doing the Wonder Woman movie. And now I'm looking back at episodes uh, she's McLaren, directed. Michelle at, McLaren. McLaren. Yeah. Now I'm looking back at episodes she's directed of Breaking Bad. I am super excited because that woman can direct. And the thing about Breaking Bad is each episode kind of feels like its own. And you're kind of getting that with Better Call Saul. Like you can tell there's clear direction because every episode is kind of shot differently. Yeah. And that now I have really high hopes, which we already saw with Ryan Johnson taking over one of the solo Star Wars films. So. They have excellent directors for the show, and we, that is... We, we should note that, that Ms. McLaren does have quite the pedigree as well. She was, oh, uh, yes, yes. She was a, a director and a co-executive producer for like 50 episodes of The X-Files. Yeah. Um, obviously, she's done a lot of Breaking Bad uh, stuff. She's directed episodes of The Walking Dead uh, and stuff like that. She's done uh, Game of Thrones as well, and... Uh, yeah, as you as you mentioned, she's doing Wonder Woman. That movie is going to be in good hands from a from a technical standpoint, uh, at the very least. So, uh, yeah, that's um, I, I don't know. I, I hope she does more episodes. She's uh, obviously stupidly talented. Uh, yes. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to more. Uh, man, I, I wish we could just keep talking about this forever, but we can't. We're gonna have to come back next week when uh, when Glenn and I talk about. Better Call Saul Season 1, Episode 3, called Nacho. You better call Saul. You best call now, you hear? Did we agree on a name? Um, I, I'm I mean, just, Better Talk Saul, I have not found it anywhere. So I'm just doing that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> here we go. Welcome to Better Talk Saul, Cinema Geekly's Better Talk. Oh, I just called it. Better Talk Saul. <laughs> this is where we're gonna. This is where we're gonna fuck up. This is where we're gonna fuck up. It's so similar. Aaron Aaron called it a Saul cast, but I don't want to. I don't want to do that either. Um, all right, we're just gonna do it from the beginning, and I'll get it right this time as well. <laughs> <laughs> 